hearing about, let me change this a little bit. There we go. It's a little better. <clears throat> so in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 3, we see the beginning of what will be the release of the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity. We see a man that God has chosen to lead the Israelites to speak to Pharaoh on his behalf, and of course that man is Moses. In verse 1 it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So here he goes, he sees this bush on fire, and he knows that the, the bush itself is not being consumed. And it sparks his interest. He gets curious, so he goes towards the bush, and it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses said, Here I am. And as the Lord identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, as holy, he tells Moses that he's heard the cries of the people, and he's going to deliver them, and he's going to bring them into the promised land. He tell Moses, tells Moses that he's going to be sending someone to Pharaoh to confront him. And that person would be accompanied by miraculous signs. And then he says, Moses is the guy. And verse 10, he says, so now I'm go, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Then what happens? Human nature. And the questioning begins. Now, please keep in mind this setting. Please keep in mind that Moses is standing in front of this burning bush. His sandals are off because it's been called holy ground to take his sandals off. He's speaking to God. Scripture's telling us that he's hiding his face because it was the common belief that if you saw the face of God, you were going to die. So there is no doubt that Moses knows who he's talking to. He's well aware of who he's speaking with. But in his humanness and in the flesh, he starts to question him. And in God's grace and God's mercy, he answers him. And in verse 11... But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is, it is I, who, I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to Israelites and, they say, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So God tells him what to say to the Israelites. He tells them what to do. He tells them what to expect from Pharaoh in his hardened heart. And it's interesting here because God tells him, after you have brought the people out, you're going to worship on the mountain. See, to God, it's a done deal. God, it's fact. It's not a maybe. But to Moses, he starts and continues to question and in chapter 401, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. So here we go. The answer to this question from God comes with miraculous signs that Moses is going to be allowed to perform. The rod turning to the snake, the hand turning leprous and back to normal turning water into blood. And God is giving these signs to Moses performed that so that there will be proof that the one true living God has sent him. But for Moses, not enough. He is focused more on the what-ifs and the different scenarios that could happen. 
He is focused more on his own abilities and shortcomings rather than the power of God. And he continues to question. And in verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And if you know this, Moses had a speech impediment. He had trouble speaking. He has trouble speaking, and this is his final excuse. But he forgets that God is the creator of the universe. He's forgetting that God is the one who made the mouth that speaks the words. And God reminds him that he would help him speak. And so you think at this point that Moses would submit. He doesn't. He simply says this. Which really points to the crux of this whole going back and forth, this conversation. In the next verse 13, Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. And isn't this where we've been headed the whole time? And this exchange? Because he's finally saying, I don't want to go. And he keeps providing excuses and God keeps knocking them down. Frankly, we could stop right here and we could just talk about this because really, this is one of those moments, the Lord thy will be done, but... Or Lord, have you thought about the different scenarios? What if... Or Lord, you need to choose someone else because this is not usually my thing. But there's much more. You know, Moses is fighting God tooth and nail. And he's doing it through his numerous excuses. And God's extremely patient with him. And as his children, I think you'll agree, sometimes we see his discipline. We often see his mercy. We definitely see lots of grace. We see God's provision in our lives. And for Moses, promises of provision for what he needed to do. We have to remember, though, that when God provides for us, it, sometimes it doesn't come in the form that we think it's going to. Sometimes when God's providing for us, it comes in the form of others. It comes in the form of people. It comes in the form of brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage, to share burden. And for Moses, God was going to provide, and it was Aaron. And in verse 14, he says, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on the way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him, put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He's not happy with Moses because the heart motivation here, trying to get out of it, the excuses. But instead of smiting him in his mercy and his grace, he alleviates his fears. He gets rid of the excuses by meeting his needs. It's interesting because God could have said, uh, um, God, stop making excuses. You're going. But he doesn't do that. He addresses and alleviates everything by providing provision. In verse 28, when Moses and Aaron finally get together, he tells that Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say. And also about the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. And so Aaron's a no-brainer. Aaron hears from God, he's in. 
Not all this stuff going on in this questioning. Aaron's just in. And it's interesting because Aaron is given to Moses. He's the helper. He's going to speak. And it says, like, as a prophet is to God. You know, a prophet is the mouthpiece for God. So Aaron's going to do that for Moses. And God's going to direct both of them. Remember, it's by God's power. It's not by their power. It's not by their abilities and talents. It's by God's power. And he's going to use certain aspects of them. To glorify his name. You know, it's ultimately God's power that's going to be responsible for the plagues, responsible for the exodus of the Israelites, responsible for the destruction of Pharaoh. We need to remember that it's God who's driving everything here. And it's also wise to remember that because Aaron was a helper, doesn't mean he had any less power. See, sometimes we always think, and I think a lot of it's our culture and our society, you get that that point person, you get the person out front, that person's the spokesman, he walks in the power of God. How about all the guys from behind the scenes? How about all the guys making things happen? How about all the guys who are answering that call of God to do what we would consider this menial task in our culture and our society, but is creating an environment for everything to go forth and for the gospel to be preached? I mean, God puts you in a role. He gives you what you need to do that to the best of your ability to glorify his name. Aaron had power. Aaron had power. He was walking in the power of God. Why? Because God put him in that role and he was obedient. We have to remember that. Doesn't matter if you're in the forefront or in the background. When God puts you in the role, he's going to give you power to walk in that role. Aaron many times walked in front. He stepped out of the shadow. He stepped into the limelight. He was actually the guy who did the, perform the miracles before the Israelites to prove that God had sent him. He's the guy when he was confronted with the Pharaoh who threw the staff down and it turned into a snake. So even though God said, Moses, you're it, and Aaron you're, Aaron, you're in support, still walking in the power of God. Just because you're in the background doesn't mean you have less power. Let's get that one clear right now. And just because you're in the background doesn't mean you don't have to walk in faith. Be assured that whatever role the Lord uses us in will come with walking in his power, will come with his provision. Will come with supporting others. And sometimes that support, sometimes we see others, it'll be obvious we need to step up and do something. See, the thing about our society is don't worry about it. Someone else will do it. Man, that is a trap. That is a trap. When God's knocking on your door, when the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, when he's talking to you about somebody else or something you need to do in your life or a direction you need to go in, we can't not engage with him. We can't ignore that he's speaking to us. We can't wait for someone else to step up and do it because that's what our culture says all the time. You know, someone's bleeding in the middle of the road. 90% of the people want to just walk by and let the next guy take care of it. When we know God wants us to take care of it. Want to walk in the power of God? Listen, be attentive and obedient to that. Want to walk in the power of God? Stop in that moment and go, all right, God told me i got to do this. And watch what happens. 
So anyways, sometimes we see people that need support and we need to step up and we need to do it. For Aaron, there was one apparent time when they had the battle of Rephidim after crossing through the Red Sea. It was during Joshua's battle against the Amalekites that he would clearly see a need and he clearly responded. And it was during the battle, and we've talked about this before, but in a different aspect, but that Moses stood on a nearby hill and he held his hands up high, holding up the staff of God. And it was directly connected to what was going on in the battle because if he held his hands up high, and by, mind you, he's praying for them too. When he held his hands up high, the Israelites were, were being victorious and they were winning. But as soon as his hands started coming down, they started losing the battle. And for anyone who's ever held their hands up high, some of you may, may not, during worship, hold your hands up and praise the Lord. This is not easy for extended periods of time. And if you've ever done that, you know that it gets really tiring really fast, really quickly. So the consequences of Moses' hands falling were obvious. They were going to lose. So he had it. His hands were coming down. And who sees the need? Her and Aaron. Two men standing there. And they step right up. Because it's obvious the need, it's obvious the consequence, and it's obvious that God put them in this position to help. And they put a seat, a stone seat on the Moses, and they have him sit down. And then they come alongside of him, and they hold his arms up, and they hold him up. Now this time, they're probably, hold your arms up for four hours, and see if they're numb or not. He probably can't even feel them. And they're holding them up for him. Until Joshua is victorious. See, this is where support went beyond encouragement. This is where support took the next turn and went into actually physically helping, physically taking the burden off, taking upon oneself from whoever's suffering because they can't handle it at that point or they need help doing it. At that moment, at that individual moment, when his hands were coming down, Aaron was a provision from God. And he had been a provision from God. You know, and I, I, I know I'm speaking a lot about the interaction between God, Moses, and Aaron, but you know what? What we really want to glean from these verses is concerning God's will and God's provision and what to expect as Christians in our lives. Had many conversations, and we often have conversations with, about, with people about their desire to know what God wants them to do, the direction to go in, His will for their life. And of course, as you probably would, I give them, and I say, pray. I say, get in the Word. They seek His face. Listen to the counsel of saints. Listen to what He has to say. But I also add this. Be on guard. Be on spiritual guard. Because before we go any further in this sermon, it's important that you know, and I want to implore you to be on spiritual guard. To make sure that you're hearing from God. Not from something else. Not moving in the flesh your own desire, using the Lord as an excuse to get where you want to go. Or using the Lord as an excuse not to do something. 
We have to be careful there. And there are a couple simple safeguards that I want to throw out there. Just two for today. There could be a lot more we could talk about. But just two for today. And here it is. If it doesn't line up, if you're getting something, you think it's from God. If it doesn't line up with God's order of things or the word of God, then cross it off the list. If you think someone's telling you or God's telling you to do something that goes against the word of God, not going to happen. Whatever you think you're hearing will line up with the word of God. And if it doesn't, immediately cross it off. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to confirm it. Don't try to take the square peg and pound it in the round hole because you like what you just heard. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, throw it out. The second one, simple too. If it glorifies you more than Jesus Christ, cross it off the list. I should say us. If it glorifies us more than Jesus Christ, cross it off the list. Have to be on guard against these things. Having said that, maybe you're sitting here and, man... You want to hear from God. You are desiring your own burning bush moment. Maybe you're truly seeking him and you're listening for the Lord. But you have to ask yourself this question. If you're listening for the Lord, are you willing to follow the instruction given regardless of what it is? As a Christian, what happens when the answer we get is not what we expected or even wanted? What should we expect then? And that answer is simple, a battle. Because if we're truly seeking God's will, we can expect the flesh, we can expect selfishness, we can expect all that to try to get in the way. Because his will may not line up with our desires. And our desires are going to want to put us in a different direction. And our desires are going to have the priority list all shifted around and God may not be number one. Hopefully we can agree that as Christians we should want to seek the face of God. Can we agree on that? Amen. We should desire to see his face. We should want to seek his will. As a child of God, we should want to go there. But when we hear back and we get an answer, a direction, a task that we weren't expecting, it can be unnerving. It can be scary. Listen, I'm afraid to ask sometimes. I really am. Because I'm afraid of the answer. I'm afraid of the answer. It can be unnerving and the struggles start. And like Moses, sometimes the struggles will be with the what ifs. And the what ifs are a struggle because we feel the need to know every nuance. We want to know the plan. We want to know every detail. We want to know the contingency plan. We want to know the plan B in case God's plan fails, which God's plan is not going to fail. 
But we can't move forward unless we see everything laid out before us. Sometimes the struggle is not with the what ifs, it's with the how. Sometimes we forget that God's going to be the one that's going to provide everything we need regardless of the task at hand or the obstacle to overcome. Listen, I want to encourage you that if God is sending you, if God is putting something before you to do, if God wants you involved in a ministry, if God wants you to hold someone's hand, if God, and he does want you to do all these things, wants you to share the gospel, he's going to equip you to do so. You're going to get everything you need to do so for his name, for his glory, not for yours. Some of the struggle is the what if, some of the struggle is the how. For some, the struggle is the what. Something, and you'll agree with this, but something being asked of us that is not in our wheelhouse, not where our strengths lie, not where our abilities shine. For some, this can be absolutely terrifying and overwhelming and frightening, and even some may think unfair. God, why are you using me this way? That's not what I'm good at. If you just use me here, in this right here, we'd accomplish so much, God, because I'm awesome at this. Listen, when we cry out to God, when we're praying and we get one of those answers that takes us out of our wheelhouse and directs us against the grain of what we, where we want to go, this is when we want the mulligan. This is when we want the do-over. We want to pray again and say, God, all right, this time give me something I'm good at. Not realizing it's God who's making you good at anything. Listen, as children of God, we need to remember this. We need to remember that in that place, in that not in your wheelhouse, that's the very place where the most testing and stretching of faith is going to occur for our betterment. This is where you realize and you show people who you are in Jesus Christ. It becomes obvious. Because our greatest need at that moment can't be on ourselves. It's on God. Moving forward with no choice. Relying on the Lord's strength and provision. Because ours at that point is useless. And that's what unnerves us. Listen, somebody may find themselves there now. Maybe going into that season. Maybe dealing with that. And maybe you've relied on your talents too long. It's time to grow. Time to completely rely on the Lord. For Moses, he couldn't stop concentrating on his weakness and on the unknown. And unfortunately, if we allow ourselves to do the same thing, we're really lacking an understanding of who God is and who we are in Jesus Christ. If we start focusing on the what ifs, the how, the what, the struggles, then we're taking our eyes off the Lord. And our walk's going to become a mess. We're going to let the enemy, or we're going to let our selfishness rob the blessings that God wants to pour out on us. God wants us to live that abundant life. And really, that's not talking about material things. That's talking about spiritual, an abundant life in the Lord. We're going to get robbed of it, and we're going to make the road bumpy, and it's going to be hindered, and we're going to do all kinds of figure eights. 
Because our focus is not on Jesus Christ, it's on all the lack of. We can't do it. If we get caught up in the what ifs, the how and the what, we allow fear to replace faith. And listen, I know some of you. I know some of you who who have walked through fear. Who have had horrendous, terrible fear about what God wants you to do. And you have walked through it. And when you got through it on the other side, you realize it was by God's strength and power. And it was just like this huge weight lifted off your shoulders. And you know what? Don't raise your hand, but shake your head if that's the truth. Because I've seen it. I've been with some of you when that's happened. And it's an amazing deal. But your focus there can't be on Everything you lack, it has to be on the provider of everything, and that's Jesus Christ. So if we get caught up on focusing on those things we lack, man, you can be in a place where discouragement really starts to grow. And if we let fear replace faith, we're probably probably not really walking forward at all. We're probably just frozen in place. And even if we do walk a little bit, and we're starting to move slightly, but we're not really sure, we're not walking in faith, but listen, fear's... Fear is like all over us and we're, we're walking slightly forward. But listen, you're on the edge. You're on the edge here. When you're walking in fear and you're looking at everything through your doubt that maybe God's not going to answer the prayer. Maybe you can't do it because you don't have the ability. You're not equipped. You're not in your wheelhouse. When you're there, you're walking on the edge of quitting all the time. You're walking on the edge of throwing in the towel. You're walking into places and you're like, you can't wait to get out of there. So you're looking almost for an excuse to get out of what God wants you to do. And I can see it in some people. They struggle with this because they go and they get involved in something. And they're like, oh, that person said that. I'm out of here. I don't really like doing that anyway. So someone else will pick up, pick it up and finish it. I don't, whatever. It happens. It happens because we're concentrating on everything that we don't like. Everything that doesn't line up with what we want selfish-wise. Everything that's not our ability. We're not looking at God as the provider. We're not trusting in him that he knows what's best for us and he's going to take us through these things. We're still trying to do it on our own and we can't wait to bail if it's not something that we like. But we're missing out. Missing out on the blessings. To back up, to back out of situations. Listen, Moses was not backing up out of anything. Why? God wouldn't allow him to. He kept removing all the excuses. I think he does the same thing now. I think when we say we want to do something and God doesn't want us to go in that direction, Holy Spirit's talking to us. The Holy Spirit is talking to us. If you are a child of God, he is saying something to you. Because he wants you to go in the direction God wants you to go. He wants you to become more and more Christ-like. He wants to grow you in your faith. He wants to bless you abundantly. He wants to put you through and maybe on the rack and stretch you out. 
But he wants you to see that the God of the universe is on your side who provides everything that you need. That's where we need to go. Today, sometimes we get caught up and going and everywhere except God first. So if we're walking in fear, sometimes this leads to throwing in the towel before we even break a sweat. Lead to quitting because God's way is not in our comfort zone. Or actually this too, and this is important. Remember this. It can lead to jealousy because you see someone over there who doesn't have the talents and abilities that you have. And they're getting used in what you want to do. And you're like, God, why are you using them? That's my deal. That's my wheelhouse. That's what I'm good at. And really, I'm going to tell you something, share something you probably haven't thought of. That person over there is probably petrified. Because what God's using them that you're good at, they're not good at. But they're going to have to rely on Jesus Christ. And here's another thing you haven't thought of. If that's you whining and complaining and jealous, you better stop and pay attention. Because God may want you to support them. God may want you to walk over and encourage them. Because you know what you're doing. Sometimes we miss out. Selfishness can blind. For Moses, there was no option. He wasn't backing out. He ran the gamut of excuses leading to statements that reveals the truth. I don't want to go. He's really putting God in the box. He's denying his power to get him through, to help him speak, to accomplish the task, to meet the need. He certainly didn't believe he was equipped. But he was going to be equipped because God was going to take care of it. He certainly didn't think he was the person to go. And listen, that's not even a question. Because if God says it's you, it's you. And along with him, sometimes I think we share the same sentiment. And I, I don't want to go. But also like Moses, we've got to remember one thing. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. If he puts you in a place to do a certain thing and tells you and you know it's from God and he's going to equip you, he doesn't make mistakes. You're the one. If he's asking you to do something, he's going to give you everything you need to do it. The Lord provides all we need and a lot of times it comes in weird shapes and sometimes that shapes as other people. We talked about Aaron being provided for Moses. And I think in times, you'll agree, I think in times in the body of Christ, he provides people to step up to encourage. He provides people to step up and take some of the burden. Provides people to do those things which will help somebody to accomplish the task. Aaron provided for Moses much support. I don't, you know, I don't think anything's changed today. I think there's times when some people are fighting discouragement. Some people are fighting depression. Some people are overwhelmed. Sometimes they're struggling and it's not obvious. It needs to be spiritually discerned. And sometimes it's obvious. Like Moses up on the hill. 
As Christians, we're all in a battle against the world, against pulling away from the things of the kingdom of God, against the flesh, against selfishness and our own wants, against lies of the enemy, against doubt. And frankly, it's exhausting. It's never ending. It's in those moments when we're battling with all that garbage of the world that it seems like remaining steadfast in the Lord is like impossible. It seems like maybe that skirmish, that battle that we're in at that time, we're about to lose it. And then all of a sudden, a brother and sister in Christ will step up and they'll say something or they'll do something. And it's in that one iota, that moment when someone steps up and someone does something or says something to you that's encouraging, that lifts you up, that you remember that you're a part of the body of Christ. And the church is not all individuals in Christ. We are all connected. And that you are not alone. God uses those around you. It's in those moments that it becomes clear that the church is not made up of lone individuals or cliques or groups. We are the children of God connected spiritually. It's so important that when you hear from the Holy Spirit that you'll be obedient because you really don't know how important the next thing you say or do for someone is. And I don't know if you've been there or not, but sometimes God gives you something. You go up to somebody and you say, listen, I think God wants me to just say this to you or how's things going with this. And you don't even know what you're saying. But what you're saying is so paramount to that person receiving. What you're saying is this big to them and you think it's this big. Because God's using you and you just happen to be obedient. It stepped up. Listen, I'm a great example of this. Um, on the recipient side. There have been several times and, you know, some recently for me that it's been so obvious I'm in the middle of this severe spiritual battle going on. There have been times... I felt spiritually taxed, knowing that my hands are up, but they're coming down. There have been times when I felt strained and weary and fatigued, beat up. And listen, to think that as a human being, you're going to keep your hands up in the middle of that spiritual thing because you're someone is prideful and a bunch of crap. Because I'll tell you what, when you start getting beat up and your hands start falling down, guess who comes on scene? Guess who finds the time to come through the door? And it's the enemy. And he comes around the side of you and he starts to whisper in the ear, just put him down. What do you care? Put him down. Someone else will pick up the burden. Someone else will do it. Don't worry about it. Put him down. And there's nothing you can do because your hands are coming down regardless of how much your heart wants them to stay up. 
And it's in that moment when they're coming down and the enemy's whispering in your ear that that throwing the towel in becomes a reality. And it starts to be considered. And your mind starts working against you. Because listen, your mind wants to go away from the, fa- wants to go away from the pain. And you're in pain. And you start rationalizing. Well, if I just put him down, someone else, it won't be a bad, it'll be a bad thing. That's what the enemy wants you to do. And I'm not talking about running into a little adversity. I'm talking about a prolonged spiritual battle. When, you know what? You want to call it a day. I've been there. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm not being cocky. I'm being truthful with this. Anyone who knows me, I am not a quitter. I can't even quit when it's obvious that I should. (laughs) But when you're in a spiritual battle and you're trying to do it on your own, you're not going to win. Trying to do it on your own, you're not going to win. And even when you're relying on Jesus Christ, listen, his provision may come from someone else. He may be using them as the provision to come alongside of you to encourage you. Been there with giving in was at the forefront of my mind. The last ounce of strength was going out the door. And the hands were coming down. And just then, just then, the God of the 11th hour did something. And somebody in this body stepped up and said something or did something that raised my hands back up. That put my focus back on the Lord. And I'm not even sure they know they were lifting my hands up. And there's no doubt that God provided them. But there's no doubt that they were obedient. It's good to remember that sometimes it's obvious when someone needs encouragement and sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's the smallest gesture you do, the shortest conversation, the one word of encouragement that keeps the battle going in our favor, that keeps his hands raised up, keeps us from drowning in discouragement. Throwing in the towel. You may be the one child of God who steps up to encouragement that changes the tide of the skirmish leading to victory. The one child of God who steps up and says something that topples the scheme of the enemy, helping someone to remain steadfast. We have, you know, talked about a few things today. From these verses with Moses and Aaron and God and, you know, a couple of things that we take is one is if God chooses you, it's a done deal. If you belong to God and whatever you're doing, he's the one who supplies all your needs. 
And that supply may come in the form of people to step up as encouragers, maybe exhorters calling you back to certain paths. You know, as we move into next year, I want to ask a couple of questions. And one is, I would, I would ask you that if, if you're seeking him, what is he saying to you? And are you being obedient to it? Don't focus on the struggles. Focus on the Lord. And the second question is, if you're not seeking him, why? Don't live in fear. Live in faith. So as we move into 2018, let us keep our hands held high in the spiritual battle that rages around us. Let us be attentive to the Holy Spirit as he points out the needs of our Christian family. Let us trust and rely on God, putting trust in ourselves and our abilities and our talents aside. Let's walk in the love that Christ has poured out in us and the power that comes from him. Amen. Please bow your heads with me. Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for those who do step up to encourage, who listen to you, Lord. Lord, I know many of us have experienced that, and it's a blessing. Thank you for the brothers and sisters in this local assembly, Lord. Thank you for their attentiveness to the Holy Spirit, Lord, in in doing your work, Lord. Lord, I pray in those times, Lord, when fear does come in, Lord, that we would walk through it in faith. Lord, help us to take our eyes off the lack of things and to the provider, the creator of the universe, and that would be you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you died on the cross for our sins. Thank you for eternal salvation in heaven. Lord, I just pray for filling of the Holy Spirit for each individual belongs to you who is sitting here and the clear direction from you. We just pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we all said, Amen. Amen. Service is ended. Go with the grace of God. Please say hello to somebody on the way out. Talk to them. Don't run out of here. Say hello.